to Wobblies and Wizards. This is your host, Light, the late-fingered thief. And this is your co-host, Logar the Barbarian. So, Logar, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Been recording some podcasts today. Excited to get out there. Yep, for sure, you know. One of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a little ramble and rant here. <laughs> go ahead. This is why we have these things. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about old school gaming or the OSR for a minute. And what attracted me to it, I wasn't so into the third edition. I didn't pick up on Pathfinder at first. Really knew my old AD&D stuff and had a lot of it. I had run third edition, but sometime in the 2000s, before the 2010s, you know, I had gotten in the end then into the 2010s. Running old AD&D stuff was kind of my gaming world for a while. Yep. I discovered there was other stuff being put out that was compatible and I was all over it. And that's when I discovered this little phrase, this little term, this little, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a, uh, what is it when they have the initials of a thing? It's called a, an, acronym. an acronym. Okay. There was this acronym. Now I'm getting tongue tied. <laughs> acronym. OSR. Old school role playing. Old school renaissance. Old school revival. Old school revival. I think there's a difference between all those. I think old school role playing is an older game. An old school revival is kind of bringing back an older game. And a renaissance, I think, is very different. It is. Renaissance should be different than just a revival or a just rehash, right? And I think that we are seeing a legit renaissance in gaming through indie gaming like we've said before games like nave into the odd electric bastion land morkborg troikia tons of these games coming out lots of independent uh cairn yep independent publications that are doing totally unique and innovative new things with gaming all kind of branching out of this OSR. I'd say that's the old school renaissance there. An old school revival might be more akin to what's been going on with old school essentials where people are really getting back into the BX rules. You think I'm crazy for saying this? <laughs> no, not at all. I think there's different styles of old school play with different old school publishers or creatives that are out there. Some of them are just uh, restates of what was launched in 1974 or 1977, right? While other ones are building, and those I, I would call those as just, you know, reprint revival with no major changes. While the Renaissance are ones that have taken those old games and created something that's a little bit different, a little bit new, that might be a little bit better as well, too. So, so let me ask you this. Let's say that we've categorized this as we've got Old school role playing, which is just what we did back decades ago, <laughs> and that's also a style. That's also a style of play, I would say, versus like modern five e, for example. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of styles of play because I've heard styles of play of this older games that I wasn't a part of back then, but I was playing a lot of these older games back then. But I think the styles are vast when it comes to old school role playing. There's a lot of old school games too. We have the old school role playing. We have old school renaissance or old school renaissance and we have old school 
um, revival. So those are the three I'm going to say we have classified in today's conversation, right? Where does Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea lie in that? Uh, so for me, that one is mostly revival because <laughs> the rule set is still very much exactly the same as the classic in 1974 you know, OD&D rule sets. You know, they do add some interesting elements with how they do their classes and how they do their setting. But just from a rules and mechanics standpoint, I would say it's still pretty uh, revival style. What's new for me as a Renaissance portion of Hyperborea would be probably how they set up their game setting, their world and their universe, as well as their uh, different subclasses. So... Some of these things may... Yeah, they overlap a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) they live in a world of ambiguity. So creating this this dichotomy that I've created here, whatever you want to call it, that I've come up with for today's discussion may not be the perfect way, but I think it's a good way to look at what's happening. I've heard a few other terms that I can't even remember. There was some kind of new school revival or something like that people were calling some of the newer games. I really appreciate what's been going on within the OSR because it's more cutting edge and innovative than what's going on with a lot of the bigger companies, especially considering little elements and nuggets of creativity are being put out there. When we played back in the day, we never played by the rules hundred percent, at least not my group. And we came up with our own rules. Sometimes we realized we were doing it. Sometimes we didn't. That's essentially what everybody's doing. We're just able to have access to everybody else's ideas. <laughs> right. And that's the beauty of the internet today. Yeah, the internet is one of the greatest things to happen to role-playing games. Yeah. This just hands down. I played without anything digital for quite a long time. Um, and not having access to all these you know, communities and everything else where these things are being pushed out and you'd be able to learn about other people's ideas through others by interacting online. Yeah, I mean, for me, again, you know, some of the things are some people just like playing the old rule sets and that's fine. I love it. But, the, but then there's also some people on there that are so, I don't know how to put it. I'm gonna call it a little bit narrow-minded in that they're like, well, you know, if you can't do Thacko or descending armor class, you're an idiot. Yeah. Like, well, that's that's a wrong attitude to have. You I'm know, gonna... you know, that's just you shouldn't say that and belittle people because they don't do Thacko or they don't like the sending armor class. You know, if you want to do ascending armor class, it's fine. If you don't use Thacko, that's fine as well, too. You can still play old school and not use those elements. <laughs> I am a fan of ascending armor class going up, not descending like it used to be. While I love playing a descending armor class game. And it's cool. And I like, I, there's a certain element of what's the word I'm looking for? Nostalgia that kicks in those rose colored glasses when I play, especially using AD&D second edition Thacko. I like it a lot. Got a lot of good memories with that AD&D and AD&D second edition. At the same time, I've ran that a lot. <laughs> and I know how players respond to that. And I have, like, I had one person who had played D&D for since a decade or a decade and a half longer than I ever thought about getting into it, you know, and they were in my game group. And consistently, if we'd be gone for two weeks, when we came back and had to do combat, I'd get questions again on how it worked. Lots of people did, people that played a long time, 
people that never played it, people that had it explained. Usually the first time or two it was explained after a break or whatever, we get back onto it, but it wasn't always a guarantee. Reminding players how to do Thacko is a lot like having to look something up in the book. Yeah, and it takes time. Players intuitively like to roll over the armor class. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's easier for people to follow along. It speeds the game along. So, you know, if you enjoy using Thacko and Descending, that's fine. Continue to use it. But don't belittle other people for not using it or not liking it either. You're, you it's, know, It's not a complicated thing. You just got to remember it. <laughs> not everybody remembers. Everyone not everyone remembers it. And if you didn't use it, as the first time you were learning, you probably wouldn't want to, um, you know, it's easy to pick up ascending armor class. But again, that's an example of some of the old school attitudes that I've seen that I think, you know, are a little bit limiting for getting people into an old style type of role-playing game. And, you know, again, if you want to use it, fine, go ahead and use it, but don't bitch about it and bitch about how your players don't like it. It's like, you know, I wouldn't want to play a game with, Thacko, I'd rather have a chart in front of me to be able to pick it up or use Descending Armor Class. And we use Descending Armor Class on the game that you run for Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerer's Hyperborea. I've never had a problem running it or playing it. You do it. This is the AD&D, not the second edition Thacko, though, where the charts are used and the Dungeon Master makes sure that everything lies taken <laughs> care of. Yeah, yeah. that's much easier for a lot of folks than actually doing the Thacko calculation through the group. I think a lot of people find that the earlier AD&D charts works better when the dungeon master takes control of the situation. Right. Yeah. So for the Hyperborea game, I use the charts. That way the players don't have to calculate, you know, the Thacko and the um, whatever the, the number to hit is. Well, now we just had a discussion in one of our, one of the podcasts that's coming out here, I think in this week or next week or some, or last week or whatever about, uh, there are some of these old school games like started with Into the Odd and then others are, are starting to do it where they've just not, they're not doing two different roles anymore for damage and attack. They make it into one role, the damage role. And whatever your armor can keep you safe from, then there you go. But they've, why make two different roles? And this house rule, we're just doing the one role. And that's cool. It's a brand new approach. It's an innovative thing seeing that kind of things in other games popping up. So while we're talking about Thacko, the OSR has gone way beyond that and gone into revolutionary new game design technologies and approaches. And it's brought us something of a renaissance, something new. I love it. Yep. You know, you know, for example, in the uh, chromatic dungeon release, it it is a OSR clone, but they've gotten rid of race and they use heritage instead so for me i think that's an interesting take on the osr you know you don't have traditional what they call races you have heritage for the uh what was used to be the whatever dwarf elf and orc and such so for me i think that's an interesting take on and it's still an osr game system they've just changed up those elements for it so for me i think that's helping with the renaissance versus you know you get these old brognards that just want to go and murder a bunch of whatever goblins and orcs and (laughs) (laughs) And such all the time, and that's all they want to do. It's like, uh, you know, oh, we've had our, we've had our share of murdering a bunch of goblins and orcs. <laughs> that, we, that, that we have, but again, you know, there's some um, folks in the OSR community that get a little bit butt hurt if people start talking about, okay, you know, we shouldn't be using racial tropes, <laughs> yeah, in game, and they 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 just can't let go. They're like, oh no, I have to have my racial tropes. I like doing this. It's like, 
well, okay. <laughs> yeah, like I said, sometimes it's best if people listen and learn and keep their mouth shut instead of reactionary response. And if you're one of those out there who's getting upset to say there might have been some issues with the way races were portrayed in the 70s and 80s, and that upsets you, maybe you should listen a little more and pay attention to what people are saying. It's all right. We don't have to be right all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Learn Very from true. others. Learn from others. But again, I am I am excited, like what you said, Logar, in regards to you know innovative game mechanics that are coming out for the OSR world. Yeah, there's so many cool things. I can't keep up with it all, and I can't run it all. But what I like to do most of see, I prefer when something comes out that it's coming out when someone's putting something indie out that it's a module that's usable with something that I've already got rules for or you know either an adventure or some supplemental stuff some random charts or something that's system neutral that can use for what I'm currently using because I don't need new rule set to roll up a character from scratch but a lot of these things that you can use as a new rule set to roll up characters from scratch I do want to play some of them but more than anything, what I've taken to doing is taking ideas out of there and using them in my game because that's where they're coming from and be able to right. append them to my whatever game I'm playing. So this would work great with this system over here. That's a brilliant idea that makes things easier. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Logar Hail Crom, and keep those dice rolling. And know that there are some goofy dice out there for Dungeon Crawl Classics as well, too. There are some D14s and D7s and other strange <laughs> dice out there that you can get. As they call it old school, but that's definitely something new in gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a D20, you can roll a D14 or D16. 